This program is made possible by the members and donors to the show. For details, visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with clips today from Counterspin, The Young Turks, The Colbert Report, Media Matters, The Majority Report, Countdown with Keith Olbermann, The David Pakman Show, and The Tom Hartman Program. Finally, the long silence is coming to an end. The September 19th New York Times reported that cable executives had surveyed the programming landscape and identified an audience that just wasn't being served. Quote, what was missing, they decided, was a channel for the rich man, the successful college-educated man who earns $150,000 or more a year. Close quote. The article about a new high-end men's lifestyle channel about fast cars, fancy auctions, and football stars would just be funny if it weren't for the point that's made but not explored. That such a channel doesn't have to have a large audience, just a rich one that they can sell to advertisers. If that's how media works, readers may ask, how do we ever get programming that aims to engage audiences advertisers may not want or that challenges the interests of advertisers? Perhaps the Times thinks the answer to those questions are too obvious. All right, I'm on Johnson Avenue in San Luis Obispo. I'm five years old or six, maybe. And indications that there's something wrong with our new house. Trip down the wire twice daily. I'm in the living room watching the Watergate hearings while my stepfather yells at my mother. Launches a glass across the room, straight at her head, and I dash upstairs to take cover. Lean in close to my little record player on the floor. So this is what the volume knob's for I listen to dance music Dance music Alec Baldwin was invited to the Emmys, uh, however, he did not show up. And some people are speculating that he did not go to the Emmys because it turns out that Fox had cut one of his jokes. Mm -hmm. Now, in the joke, he was supposed to play a TV executive talking on the phone, and while he was on the phone, he was supposed to say, Rupert, is that you? I can hear you breathing, Rupert. So, of course, he was referencing mm -hmm. uh, the phone tapping scandal with the news of the world. Now, um, Alec Baldwin did confirm that Fox cut his joke. In fact, he tweeted, and in his tweet he said, Fox did kill my News Corp uh, cord hacking joke, which sucks because I think it would have made them look better. A little. Um, and he, as I mentioned, he did not show up to the Emmys, but then later on he explained himself and said, mm, I actually went to Tony Bennett's 85th birthday. Well, and then, so Fox, of course, who, as you said, the channel that the Emmys were on, they said their reasoning was they thought this is a very serious situation, so they want to make sure that it's not seen in a joking light or no one making fun of it, when we all know in reality what the real problem was with it. And then, so when you put yourself out there like this, Everyone already had, you, you know what kind of reputation you have if you're Fox. And you, the, first, if the first thought is, we have to cover this up, we have to cut these things out, we have to censor whatever anybody else is going to say about us, especially everyone knows Alec Baldwin is a, is a liberal. Right. So um, they have to do all these situations to, to cut down what's going on when really you have an audience that's coming from every aspect of life. Just let it go. Nobody's, obviously, we know their excuse was BS. But all it does is bring more attention to yourself. It and actually, this thing was getting was becoming to was going into the past. It was really getting swept under, not swept under the rug, but you kind of began to forget about it. Of course, I mean, people have such short attention spans. Mm -hmm. You know, no one was really thinking about news of the world. No one was thinking about the hacking scandal. And maybe that was something that Fox wanted to continue. Mm -hmm. They wanted to make sure that people continue to forget about it and stop referencing it. So I understand why Fox would want to do this, but I think Alec Baldwin hit the nail on the head when he said. 
said this would have made them look better because being able to laugh at yourself and admit to something that you did that was wrong. I mean, this is this is a local Fox News. Uh, this isn't Fox News. You know, mm-hmm. this is Fox, you know, Channel 11 here in Los Angeles. Exactly. It, it's obviously it differs from uh, city to city. But, you know, it's not like everyone that works for Fox is guilty of this. Being able to laugh at it and say, like, yeah, Fox News Corps did something wrong. Let's mm-hmm. let's you know laugh at well, it and and fix our mistakes. I think that makes you look better than to just sweep everything under the rug and pretend like it never happened. The thoughts that people would have that it's systematic, it now kind of makes them fully believe that it's systematic. Exactly. It looks like it. Absolutely. And then of course Alec Baldwin took the opportunity to call that out. after night, I come out here and I nail it. But when it comes to true punditry, I stand on the shoulders of giants like Rush Limbaugh. Actually, I stand on his back paunch. His, his shoulders are a little slopey. But once again, folks, El Rushbo was the only one brave enough to criticize Barack Obama, this time for sending U.S. troops into Uganda to fight a guerrilla group called the LRA, or the Lord's Resistance Army. Lord's Resistance Army are Christians. They are fighting the Muslims. Lord's um, Resistance Army objectives. I have them here to remove dictatorship and stop the oppression of our people. This, now again, Lord's Resistance Army is who Obama has sent troops to help nations wipe out, wipe out Christians. Obama is wiping out Christians. <laughs> he's not only a secret Muslim, he's a secret lion. <laughs> now, folks, turns out, turns out, thanks very much. I thought that was clever. Look, there's actually a funny story here. Turns out Lord's Resistance Army is kind of a quirky way of loving thy neighbor. Is that right? The Lord's Resistance Army is being accused of really bad stuff. Child kidnapping, torture, murder, that kind of stuff. Uh, well, we'll find We just found out about this today, and, and we're going to do, of course, our due diligence uh, research on it. Oh, yeah. Of course. Of course, due diligence. Due diligence always comes after accusing the president of killing Christians. That's why, that's why, folks, that's why it's called research. If you do it before, it's called pre-search. And Rush did some pre-search. For instance, everything he read about the LRA, he got from the Wikipedia entry on the group's ideology. It's also where Rush learned that the Lord's Resistance Army broke up REM and played Booger in Revenge of the Nerds. Now, folks, some people will say that Rush should have found out a little more before accusing the president of slaughtering Christians. 
But as a broadcaster, I believe you have to trust what an organization says about itself on the internet. That is why, and I just found this out, this is why I cannot believe that Obama is against another Christian organization whose stated objective is a healthy environment, children's welfare, and freedom of belief without fear. Amen, brother. All right, where do I send the donation check? Okay, the American Nazi Party. Okay. Okay, we're, uh, we're just learning about these Nazis, and uh, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. We will, of course, do due diligence research on that and investigate the nasty rumors circulating about these folks. Um, but that has not changed the fact that there is another organization out there that Obama has repeatedly attacked that I believe has excellent core values. Listen to this, quote, We believe very simply that it is the actions of individuals working together that build strong communities. I love that. I don't care who said it, Nazis, commies, the Klan, I stand by the Bank of America. Oh my God. Oh no. Jimmy, Jimmy, please. We gotta edit this out. That is a career ender. They have blood on their hands. We'll be right back. Get it off. As an anti-consumerism advocate, I'd like to encourage you to shop less, don't buy things you don't need, and only buy the necessities from local, independently owned businesses. That said, if you don't take this good advice, then at least there's a way to shop that helps support this show at the same time. Simply click through to Amazon.com, just one of the major companies under constant boycott by one liberal cause or another, from the banner posted at bestoftheleft.com. Better yet, click through just once and bookmark that link to use every time you shop. Your shopping experience will be identical to normal. It will cost you nothing extra, but 7 to 8% of the cost of your order in soulless corporate blood money will be siphoned off and used to tremendously support the production of this show. Thanks for doing the right thing, whatever you consider that to be. People who feel Barack Obama gets unusually negative media coverage were excited when the Pew Center's Project for Excellence in Journalism released a study recently that found coverage of Obama was 9% positive and 34% negative. A chart accompanying the study showed that, for example, Rick Perry had 32% positive coverage and 20% negative. The enthusiasm among liberal bloggers was partly about how the research would blow away the bogus conservative complaints about the liberal media. But we really don't need new research for that. And then there's the question of whether this study's any good. The main concern in our view is whether it really makes sense to code media coverage into categories like positive and negative. A story that reports on Herman Cain's rise in the polls, we're told, would be scored positively, while a story about Obama that mentioned unemployment or Washington partisanship would be flagged as having negative statements. Someone mentions that Michelle Bachman gets migraines, that's negative. It just seems obvious that there's a problem in coding reporting of reality as being positive or negative treatment of any people who have some connection to that reality. 
Newt Gingrich's coverage has been the most negative, the study says. Okay, but his campaign has been marked by a variety of scandals and setbacks. So is that coverage biased against him or a reflection of what's happening? The idea that all good journalism is somehow neutral strikes us as unhelpful to media critics of any ideology. This is the Media Matters Minute. I'm Danny Herrera. Fox & Friends co-host Brian Kilmeade introduced a segment asking if the recent Republican debates were focusing too much on social issues and wondered if President Obama was getting a pass on some of his economic policies. Victoria Jones, White House correspondent for Talk News Radio Service, had her answer, but we have a feeling Brian didn't enjoy her response. Brian, you know, as long as there's a Fox, there will always be a story on the president's failed policies, so we're safe here. But look, we Listen, we do you want, excuse me, are we, are we talking about appointees that were bypassing the Senate? We've also had the payroll tax cut, and the president was actually accused of being too much involved in that. And then we had crazy stories about the president. We had, was he taking too much of a Hawaii vacation? And then we had the disgusting story about Michelle Obama's bottom. The View interviewed uh, Hank Williams Jr. and they wanted to talk to him about, you know, getting fired from ESPN. They wanted to ask him about how uh, the NFL has decided to pull his song out of Monday Night Football. And uh, as you can imagine, the interview was a disaster. So we have several videos for you guys. Let's go ahead and watch the first one. Would you read Ana the definition of an? You're the one that said it's an analogy. An, an analogy, similarity in some respects between things that are otherwise dissimilar. Very good. Uh, thank you. Yeah, opposite. <laughs> yeah. So he's saying, hey, look, when I called Obama Hitler, it was an analogy. I didn't mean he is Hitler. I just meant he's like Hitler. Yeah, we got that. We we <laughs> kind of understood that. Okay. That wasn't lost on us. So. If I say, for example, Hank Williams Jr. is like Hitler who killed all the Jews, I'm not saying you are Hitler who killed all the Jews. I'm just drawing an analogy. ESPN, they, they you, you know, they say they don't want the politics in the sports. So you, you, you can understand it's, it's mm -hmm. just a, it's a hot yeah. button. So do you understand their policy on this? I absolutely do. And okay. I, let me let me tell you the rest of the policy. All right. Uh, Disney. ABC and ESPN and me and the opening of my Monday Night Football are kind of like the Spanish-American War, their history. Come on, come on. Man, he needs to lay off the drugs before he does these interviews. Look, you want to do d drugs on your own time, that's totally fine, but don't do it right before you appear on television. <laughs> so let me tell you the rest of the policy. <laughs> What were we talking about? Sp Spanish American War! Oh, yeah, yeah. History. Okay, but wait a minute. That, that doesn't have anything to do with the ESPN policy. Like, even if, okay, you're history, you're done with the ESPN. I got it. The Spanish American. But what, that's not their policy. What are you talking about? But how were you misunderstood? Uh, I guess it's called stepping on the toes of freedom of speech. Mm -hmm. But ESPN says you can have freedom of speech, but you have to bear the consequences. Well, that's all, that's good. I applaud them. That's their freedom of speech. You know, I just okay. 
And? Okay, so why are you angry? Why did you write a song like dissing ESPN, telling everybody that they shouldn't uh, watch ESPN anymore? Right. I applaud them. I say, you know what? You got freedom of speech, too. But so what was your point? Like they sh So they fired you with their freedom of speech. No problem, right? Then why did you write this song? Okay, let's keep watching. Was it indeed your decision to take the song off? On Tuesday, I... That night, I told my manager, I said, you can tell ESPN and Disney adios. Oh, adios. Adios. After they fired me, I told my manager, I quit. <laughs> adios. Yeah, but, but he, Hank, you were already fired, so, which you just admitted. Do you wish you had used a different analogy at this point? Uh, you know what? At this point, I really don't. At this point, I don't. don't wish you, you, you're happy that Why? you called him Hitler. No, but I'm not calling anybody. No, it's an analogy. Okay. Well, it would be nice no, to no, say no, Stalin. Hank. <laughs> you didn't hear me. I said Hitler, but I meant Stalin. It would have no. been nice to call him Stalin. <laughs> you know Stalin killed even more people than Hitler. The mission of this show is to aggregate and amplify the best voices of the truly liberal media, and now you can play a critical role in helping fulfill that mission. I pick out the best clips I hear to share with you, and now you can do just the same thing extremely easily. Now available at bestoftheleft.com, each clip I play is made available individually with simple buttons that allow you to share your favorites on your networks through Facebook, Twitter, by email, and beyond. By myself, I can amplify this content to thousands of people, but collectively, we have the potential to reach millions. No kidding. Become your own media activist by taking one minute to share your favorite content a couple of days each week, help more people plug into the truly liberal media, and be an integral part of this extremely virtuous cycle. Thanks so much for your help. Oh, DB Gulfstream on the IM. I think Jimmy Reefercake should submit a new opening for Monday Night Football. I hear there's an opening. He's gone, right? Hank Williams, is he gone from yeah, Monday Night Football? Yeah, he's gone. Are you ready for some Hitler? Is that what he said? What is, what is it? Yeah, he, 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 he called Obama Hitler, and then he said when, he was, when uh, Obama and uh, John... You know who else was Hitler? Hitler? Yeah. Very good. So, uh... <laughs> When, and when uh, Obama and Boehner went on their little golf, uh, golf, golfing spree together, he said it's like Hitler going golfing with Netanyahu. I don't even get... Oh, 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 okay. Because Netanyahu... Uh, Is orange? I don't, I don't know. No, Netanyahu's <laughs> Jewish and from the future, as far as Hitler's concerned. So what he was saying is it's like as if these two guys are from two different... I think what Hank Williams meant to say was it's as if these two guys were from two different time periods and had met on a golf course which flattens the time-space continuum. And one of them was a um, horrible mass genocide killer. That, I guess, would be Obama. And the other one is a mass oppressor of other people. Uh, both... I don't know if Netanyahu is a war criminal. Um, certainly, obviously, Hitler was. Uh, I had no idea Hitler was black. I learned something new. 
Well, the, you know, you're, get, you're getting a little too literal. <laughs> you're getting a little too literal. He's talking specifically about the time-space continuum and uh, also about uh, the fact that uh, Obama has committed genocide, whereas um, uh, Netanyahu is actually probably responsible. Well, I don't know. That's a tough argument as to who is... Uh, wage more war, but certainly uh, Netanyahu has done a very good job of um, of killing some civilians and certainly occupying um, uh, their homes and, and denying them freedom. It's a very complicated. I think what Hank Williams is saying is far more. I think a lot of people are really missing uh, some of the nuance there, uh, because I think the stuff about the time-space continuum is fascinating. You get it though, Sam, right? Oh yeah, I, I, know, I totally get it. That guy's. We're going to have him do the uh, theme song for this program. It tasted so familiar, time love, time love, time love, time love, time love, time love, it's only a change of time. Starting with the obvious, what is it about people watching Fox News that leaves them less informed? Well, you're making the weird assumption that Fox News, that their goal is to inform you. No, no, no. Fox, basically, what they do is they provide light intellectual cover for the gut prejudices you already have. It's like a, <laughs> like a vibrating massage chair for your id. Vibrating. Should we, be, should we be surprised by these findings? I mean, isn't it like, I don't know, discovering a lot of boxers have brain damage? Well, I don't know. It's kind of like a, like a chicken and an egg thing. It's like, is it that Fox makes you dumb, or is it just that dumb people flock to Fox like moths to a cartoon drawing of a flame? Uh, I, I'm, I'm not. I, what I'd like to see is like a time elapsed thing where you took somebody who'd never watched Fox before, and then just like ten years of watching Fox and just watching them devolve and see how long it took them to start playing with their feces. <laughs> the fairly Dickinson poll did not break it down by show, but who would you suggest is the biggest misinformer? Oh, Fox. come on. It's got to be Fox and Friends. It's got to be. I, I mean, you know, Chris Wallace, you know, uh, is a smart guy. I mean, a force for evil, obviously, but at least he, he's actually just reading words off a prompter. There might be a fact in there somewhere, whereas, like, once the banter gets started on Fox and Friends, it's like the world's worst improv troupe, and you don't get any information. None of the things you want to know, like, what's up with Brian Kilmeade's weird drag queen eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> How else should Fox News sort of see these results? I mean, as proof that they are failing or that they're succeeding by deliberately misleading people? Well, I, don't, I mean, these are not really questions that are in the sort of Fox viewer wheelhouse. I mean, Egypt, Syria, who cares about that? They should ask questions that Fox viewers would know, like, uh, is Obama Satan or simply a minion for Satan? Uh, uh, how long is the McRib available? Uh, name five brands of motorized scooter. They'd ace that test. <laughs> this is not the, uh, the, first, um, the first poll that has uh, suggested this. Uh, listening to NPR, a constant source of Fox News attacks, um, well, NPR did very well, just as NPR did in a similar poll several years ago. Is that why Fox News goes after NPR so much, sort of like high school, the dumb, popular kid picking on the smart, nerdy kid? Yeah, I mean, they can't actually reach their underwear to give them the wedgie, so they have to sort of do it on the air. I mean, this is always, and they're always going to win, by the way. I mean, there's, uh, in a debate between a smart person and a stupid person, stupid will always win, because you can't argue against somebody going, <laughs> that's basically what Fox is, 24 hours a day of that kid in school when you would say something, and he would go, <laughs> you know, you can't, they're going to win every time. Oh, 
Okay, what what do you think is the best thing, the thing about the show that is best and most appealing to to somebody who listens or watches? Because we cover everything and we do it well. <laughs> Why do you think people watch the show? I think that it's a completely different angle. I don't think it's about being expansive or up to date. I think it's 99% of media that's out there is giving one story, it's giving a particular point of view, and it's also not covering certain stories. So I don't know that it's about being up to date or expansive. I think it's it's a well, non- Well, that's what I said. We cover everything. We don't cover everything, Lewis. How can we cover everything? We cover eight to ten stories. Everything important, pretty much. Well, if that doesn't make you curious, I don't know what will. Check out The David Pakman Show at davidpakman.com. Let's go to Fox News' Gretchen Carlson is shocked when they put up a poll that says most people think Obama will win in 2012. She thinks it must be the wrong poll. And before we get to that, also putting up another poll of the 2012 GOP caucus, Fox News, and we have this up now, using for Romney a picture. Romney's got a nice tan. Of Barack Obama, misplacing a picture of Romney and Obama, which is very weird. Mitt Romney and Barack Obama, not the same letters. I don't know how it could have happened. And then also shock from Gretchen Carlson about this poll. She can't believe they didn't put up the fake poll which shows Obama's going to lose. Take a listen. Romney and Gingrich do against President Obama. Well, this is, this is actually the wrong poll. Uh, who <laughs> will actually win? Let's stick with this one. Right. This is staggering to me. Why? Look at that. Who, this is what uh, prospective voters, registered voters think will win the 2012 election. 44% say President Obama will win. 16% say Newt Gingrich will right. win. 15% say Mitt Romney. Is anyone else stunned at but, this but, result right now? You know what I do? <laughs> yeah, everybody, everybody can't believe that Fox News put up a real poll instead of just making up their own poll. She's, she's, she finds the information staggering. Now, when we asked on our website who will end up being the Republican presidential nominee, 36% said it would be Willard Mitt Romney. 18% said it would be Newt Gingrich, and 16% said it would be Ron Paul. Okay, another strange Fox News poll. Fox hoped you wouldn't notice this. Let's put up the Fox weird poll picture. Uh, see something wrong with the last dot in this particular picture? No, not that one. Let's see if we can find the right, uh, the right picture here. It's funny how the oops moments are never in Obama's favor. This is the unemployment rate. Now, as you can see, Lewis, the last dot is higher than a lot of the previous dots, but for whatever reason, 8.6 is lower than 8.9, yet it appears higher in the graph. That's really strange, isn't it, Lewis? Mm. Yeah. Very weird. Now, if we put up the real unemployment rate graph, which we also have, you'll see that if you look at it honestly, unemployment is actually lower than it's been since mid-2008. And, of course, you won't really hear that on Fox News. This is Fox Real Unemployment. Look at that sharp decline, Lewis, at the end there. Unemployment rate decreasing under President Obama. You won't find that on Fox News. Uh, fascinating. Fascinating. Of course, just an honest mistake. Of course, the mistakes never make Republicans look bad or Democrats look good. Right. Except for when you're Mitt Romney and you, they replace your picture with Obama. That could be helpful, right? Well, yeah. Who's, is, isn't Romney considered more attractive? Isn't he considered uh, a better looking than Obama? I thought that that was the thing. Well, people Romney. will be like, oh, look, Mitt Romney's already president. We'll just... <laughs> <laughs> we'll vote for that yeah. guy. Yeah, maybe that maybe you're onto something, Lewis.
This is the Media Matters Minute. I'm Meredith Ritchie. Fox News has found a new favorite phrase. They've made a habit out of using, some would say, to launch baseless smears and attacks against the president and others, and the some are often just other Fox personalities. Here's Gretchen Carlson this morning. Some would say that it's the unions that have crippled the U.S. economy and led to the United States debt. Eric Bowling used a slightly different phrase last summer when discussing the Park 51 Muslim Community Center. It's known as the Ground Zero Mosque. Some have called it a victory mosque. And who can forget Sean Hannity, President Obama's number one fan? And less than 24 hours after some say that President Barack Obama virtually spat in the face of the state of Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu, the prime minister of America's closest ally in the Middle East, arrived at the White House. To hear more examples of Fox hosts using their favorite phrase, visit MediaMatters.org. biography of Steve Jobs came out this week a couple days ago um, it's by Walter Isaacson and in the book it reveals that Steve Jobs um, had dinner with Rupert Murdoch and here's a couple quotes of things that Jobs said to Murdoch you're blowing it with Fox News Fox has become an incredibly destructive force in our society and that he can do a lot better and all that stuff. So are you surprised that he said that? Yeah, and he said, look, you're a builder. You're not supposed to tear things down. But I don't know where he gets that from because <laughs> I think that uh, Rupert Murdoch has been a fairly destructive force for a long time in society. Um, well, I like this. I mean, first of all, I think he's right, of course. Second yeah. of all, um, you know, people were trumpeting the fact that Steve Jobs apparently told Obama that he was a one-term president, that he's got to turn it around yeah. on jobs, which he's right about. And and apparently he thought he should have been more business friendly, which I don't necessarily agree with. And by the way, Apple also hides a lot of money in offshore tax havens. Okay, so a little questionable there. I like Apple products, doesn't mean I don't think right. they should hide their money in tax havens, right? So, uh, but as the Republicans were all and the conservatives were all uh, taking that quote and going, ah, yes, see that Steve Jobs Republican. Yeah, likes us. It's oh, that's unfortunate what he said about Fox News. Yeah, right. So, and look, the interesting thing that I got out of this is that the Murdoch family, and, and according to the book, you know, Rupert Murdoch wants to be seen as a builder and not a destroyer. And James Murdoch, his son, who might take over, but is in a world of trouble at this point, uh, apparently also agrees with Steve Jobs. If you believe this book, um, and he wants to be seen in a positive light. And that what I get out of it is that. There can be pressure put on the Murdochs to to stop being such a destructive force in our society, to constantly tear down things, to divide us, because that's what they do. That's how they make their money, right? They mm -hmm. attack the Clintons mercilessly. They attack Obama mercilessly. And then they go, oh, you see that there's such partisan divide. Gee, I wonder who created it. I mean, Fox News is the king of div uh, dividing Americans, right? And, and if you can get that kind of pressure to make them feel a little tiny bit guilty about it, I don't, I'm not sure it's ever going to work with Rupert Murdoch. You know, it's never worked with him his whole life. And, and in fact, it bothers me a little bit that they treat him as like a, you know, as a respected member of decent society, and they all hobnob, and they go, yeah. and every once in a while, a Steve Jobs-like guy will be like, hey, come on, Rupert, take it easy, right? And they'll be like, oh, yeah, absolutely. And they'll go back to, you know, smoking their stogies and pounding their drinks, and he'll go back to doing what he's doing. But maybe at some point when his family takes over or somebody else takes over, 
News Corp. They get a little embarrassed at their legacy. Maybe. I hope you enjoyed this show, but also consider it a valuable tool for not only aggregating, but more importantly, amplifying our view of progressive politics in the world. So if that's true, I ask you to support this work by becoming a member of the show at whatever level you're able, as anything from a basic leftist up through the ranks of socialist, communist, Satanist, or even the most reviled level of support, George Soros. I produce 11 episodes a month of fearless coverage on all the hot-button issues we face, maintaining a rock-solid schedule. So if that sounds worth supporting, please consider signing up to donate as little as five $5 a month or even $55 a year. Members also gain access to bonus audio and video content that doesn't make it into the show itself. So for a concrete way to support a strong progressive voice, please visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Yesterday, it looked like the Republicans were taking it on the chin. That they were just going to get whacked upside the head. Because they were saying, nah, you know, in the House of Representatives, the Republicans, the Tea Party Republicans, John Boehner and, you know, the head of the Republicans in the in the House, but not the head of the Tea Party Republicans. That's his number two guy, Eric Cantor, the guy who's, you know, Brutus in this play here, where Caesar's going to end up saying, et tu, Brute. Uh, uh, maybe, and, and he may not have to wait till the Ides of March. Uh, in any case, the... <laughs> This, this is just incredible. Yesterday, well, the day before yesterday, the Senate, the Senate passed this bill to extend just for two months because they couldn't work out language for a whole year. Unemployment benefits and the so-called working class tax cut. In other words, a cut in the, in the uh, Social Security tax that is paid for with other things. And, and in fact, I'm going to get into what it's paid for and all that kind of stuff. But, but anyhow, they could only, you know, they, 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 they could agree on two months worth, but not a year's worth. So they did it in the Senate. And, and you've got five senators. I mean, Scott Brown, Olympia Snow, Susan Collins. You've got a bunch of these senators saying, come on, Republicans, into the House. Vote for the damn thing. Well, the Republicans in the House were not even willing to vote on it. Instead, they voted on a resolution about voting on it because they didn't want to go back. They didn't want to have campaign commercials saying, uh, Joe Blow, the Republican from Tea Partyville, voted not to extend middle class tax cuts, although he voted 27 times to extend tax cuts for millionaires and billionaires, or however many times it may be. So it looked like the Republicans were just like losing this PR war. But I'm telling you, Today, I think they're getting it back. And, and here's why. The Republicans said, okay, you know, we're, we're in, the, in the House of Representatives. They said, you know, we're not going to vote for this two-month two thing because it, it doesn't hurt people enough. So we're going to put on the table a one-year extension of this payroll tax cut and unemployment benefits, but... We're going to cut unemployment benefits from 99 weeks back down to 59 weeks maximum. We're going to make people who get unemployment benefits take drug tests 
If they're not high school graduates, they're going to have to enroll in a GED course, presumably at a for-profit college uh, run by one of their campaign contributors. They're going to strip the Environmental Protection Agency of the authority to regulate toxic waste incinerators and other kinds of incinerators and boilers, power plants. This is an action that the EPA says will lead to an additional 20,000 deaths in the United States. This is what the Republicans want, right? It's like, it's like a, a grab bag of goodies. They, want the, uh, they, they, they don't just want the president to decide on the Keystone pipeline within two months. They, just, they, want, the whole damn, they want the damn thing in their year-long bill. And, the, you know, of course, the State Department and the Interior Department have not yet even finished their scientific evaluation of this, which is code for how do we deal with the, with the Republicans in Kansas who are opposed to this. And there's, you know, some science in here. They want to cut $8 billion out of Obamacare. All of this in exchange for the year-long extension, right? $8 billion bucks out, of, out of Medicare, or out of uh, Obamacare. They want to put in a provision that says that if you get any kind of money from the federal government in the form of these benefit transfer cards that people can use for, you know, the, the, whether it's Social Security benefits or food stamps or whatever. Of course, you can't do this with food stamps anyway because they're already restricted. There's even certain kinds of food you can't buy with food stamps. But if you're getting, you know, if you're getting any kind of electronic benefits, you cannot use that money in an ATM machine, in a casino, in a liquor store, or most importantly, in a strip club. So take that, you unemployed person. And, uh, and, they want, and, and they want to create this giant, big government bureaucracy, like I said, to drug test people. So you would think that the corporate media, the mainstream media, and even NPR would report on all this. That the Republicans are saying, yeah, we'll give you a year, but we want a pound of flesh, maybe three pounds. And, of course, even their own colleagues in the Senate, the Republicans in the Senate, would not vote for that because it was too crazy. They already tried that, and that's why they came up with this two-month compromise that just forces the president to decide whether to decide on the Keystone Pipeline. But here's how NPR reported on it. This just blew my mind when I heard this this morning. Listen to this. NPR congressional reporter Tamara Keith explores the maneuvering. Now, just, just, just in pause case that you... for a second, Jacob. Just, just tell me if you hear anything about all the demands the Republicans are making in this report. Go ahead. Just in case you've been out buying presents or working or not watching C-SPAN with bated breath, here's an update on what happened yesterday. The House, specifically Republicans in the House, rejected a bill that had broad bipartisan support in the Senate. That bill was an interim measure. It would have extended jobless benefits in the payroll tax holiday for two months until a year-long deal could be worked out. Republicans said two months wasn't long enough. House Majority Leader Eric Cantor is a Virginia Republican. Families, employers, and workers can't live their lives month to month. Washington needs to stop adding confusion and more uncertainty to people's lives. Now, just pause so, it there, Jacob. That, here's the new meme. The Republicans are coming along saying in the House, you know, we're, if, the, if they can get the media to play along, 
and not mention these poison pills that they put in this year-long bill, then what they're saying is, well, the reason we voted against the, or the reason we refused to vote on the two-month extension is because we want to give Americans a whole year. We're Santa Claus. We're Santa Claus. We want to give them a whole year. Back to the uh, back to NPR, Jacob. So Republicans voted to create a conference committee to hash out the differences between the House and the Senate. House Speaker John Boehner. Uh, this is a system that our founders gave us. Uh, it's as old as our nation and as clear as the Constitution. Okay, so so so. <laughs> And then they go into, you know, the, 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 the weirdness of conference committees and how they work and, you know, House and Senate and all this stuff. No mention of drug testing. No mention of you can't use your ATM in a strip club. No mention of cutting employ unemployment benefits from 99 weeks down to 59 weeks. when most of the world lets you get them as long as the recession lasts. No, the new Republican meme picked up this morning by NPR and presumably by all the media. I mean, I haven't done a survey of all. I didn't. Wa I don't watch all the morning shows. I don't watch any of the morning shows. And this just happened to pop on when I woke up because there's no progressive station here in Washington D.C. And 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 what is it? Oh, the Republicans want to give you a year. The Democrats want to give you two months. They can't work it out, so they're going to try and have this conference committee between the House and the Senate to work out their differences. Are you kidding me? And this is the media that the right-wingers are saying this has a liberal bias? The Republicans might just win this media war. So let's move on. A few stories I want to get to still. This is really strange. John Boehner's office cut off the C-SPAN cameras as the Republicans started taking a verbal beating. This is really, really strange. Steny Hoyer, who's a Democrat from Maryland, attempted to call for a vote to extend the payroll tax cut to middle class and working Americans. You would think something Republicans would be in favor of. And the... Uh, the the speaker the the acting speaker basically tried to just continue uh, closing the session, and uh, and and the cameras all of a sudden first the audio and then the cameras were just shut off. Now immediately after this happened, and I'll play it for you. C-SPAN tweeted, "We don't control those cameras. It wasn't us. It's not a technical glitch. The office of the the speaker of the house, John Boehner, cut off the cameras. Mm -hmm. They didn't want this verbal beating apparently to be seen. Here is how it went." You ready for this, Lewis? I'm ready. I'm sure you've, in preparing for the show, you saw this video. Already. Of course. It's adjourned until 10 a.m. on Friday. Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker. I would like to uh, ask for unanimous consent that we bring up the bill to extend the tax cut for 160 million Americans. As you walk off the floor, Mr. Speaker, you're walking out. You're walking away, just as so many Republicans have walked away from middle-class taxpayers the unemployed, and very frankly as well, so this continues for from a little those bit. Uh, who will be seeking medical assistance from the their doctors, 48 million 
senior citizens. We regret, Mr. Speaker, that you have walked off the platform without addressing the issue of critical importance to this country, and that is the uh, continuation of the middle class tax cut, the continuation of unemployment benefits for those at risk of losing them, and the continuation of the access to doctors for all those 48 million seniors who rely on them daily for their health. And I am pleased to yield to my friend, Mr. Van Hollen. Well, thank so there the audio go, gets cut, and then eventually this fades to a shot of the, I think it's the Capitol building outside. Let's see where that goes. It does, yeah. So this, this, is, this is absurd for a number of different reasons, but remember, C-SPAN wanted more cameras and more control over cameras at the Capitol. And John Boehner specifically said, no, we're not going to do that. And this is a question of, are the cameras there to film what's happening in the House and Senate? Or are the cameras there to film what John Boehner wants filmed in the House and Senate? I guess... I think that's uh, pretty clear now. I guess now it is pretty clear. They're there to film what John Boehner wants filmed. And uh, this is, this you know, conservatives, much like cockroaches and burglars, like to work in the dark. They really want, they don't want, they want to be unobserved. And it's probably for a pretty similar reason. They don't want anybody knowing what the hell they're up to. Mm -hmm. I think that that's really what, what we can draw from this. Yeah, I, I don't understand uh, what the point of C-SPAN is if anyone uh, who's being filmed has control over, over the cameras and the audio. Well, the point is to create a very specific narrative. And there's people defending John Boehner over this. There are people saying, you know, the guy, uh, there was really nothing happening. I mean, technically, they were out of session. The guy had hit the gavel. <laughs> And they were out of session. Well, but hold on. Who does C-SPAN work for? I thought C-SPAN worked for, for the people, not for John Boehner. Mm -hmm. And what else is C-SPAN going to show? What are they going to cut to? You know, highlights of the game? Absolutely, Lewis. A brilliant point. Lewis is agitated by this. I am. It's frustrating. So that's, that's what's happening there. And please stop defending John Boehner. This is, a, this is ridiculous. Unless you... The thing, the thing that irritates me is this. The people who defend John Boehner here then start talking about freedom of speech. And I know there's, it's freedom of speech doesn't apply when it's a cable channel deciding what to air. But the idea that politicians who support freedom of speech would want to limit politically inconvenient video from being put out of them throughout the course of the, of the legislative day, mm -hmm. it seems to be a little bit of hypocrisy. A lot of hypocrisy. Yeah. I mean, I understand the people that are fans of John Boehner because of because they love tanning booths right and bad tan sprays but or crying. Um, huh or crying or crying drunken yeah you know if you like crying and acting and orange skin i can understand that <laughs> but when it comes to politics this guy is just uh, a nightmare This is the Media Matters Minute. I'm Danny Herrera. Nothing is sacred over at the Fox Business Network, not even Kermit the Frog. The Muppets are back and being terrorized by an evil oil executive in their new movie. Liberal Hollywood depicting a successful businessman as evil, that's not new. Host Eric Bolling was joined by Dan Gaynor of the Media Research Center and the ridiculousness ensued. Yeah, it's amazing how far the left will go just to stoop, to you know, manipulate your kids to convince them, give the anti-corporate message. I mean, this is a Muppet movie, for goodness sakes. The only thing green that should be up on that screen should be Kermit the Frog. And, and so what, what's actually going on here? I mean, uh, I'll put it out there. Is liberal Hollywood using class warfare to, to, to kind of brain, brainwash our kids? 
Yeah, absolutely. And they've been doing it for decades. I mean, Hollywood, the left, the media, they hate the oil industry. They hate corporate America. If there are children listening to the program now or watching me or listening to my voice, I need you to avert their eyes or cover their ears. Um, it turns out the Muppets, which have been around for a long time, are the latest instruments in which uh, the left and liberals will use to poison the minds of your children. Yes, you've all heard about how SpongeBob SquarePants is turning your kids gay. Maybe you've heard my recordings of uh, interviewing the people from the American Family Association on how uh, Lenny the shark in that uh, movie, what it was it called? I don't remember. Turning your children gay. Well, now, fortunately, Fox News, Fox Business News, has broken this story. And it's disturbing. Yes, and then, when he thought they were alone, he said, There's oil under this studio, see? I'm gonna tear it to the ground, see? Sweet, sweet oil, see? People still talk like that? Maybe that's just how he sounded in my head. Either way, we've got to find Kermit. He'll know what to do. Welcome back to Follow the Money. The Muppets are back and being terrorized by an evil oil executive in their new movie, Liberal Hollywood depicting a successful businessman as evil. That's not new. Are these people serious? I mean, I understand that there's a dearth of news out there. And particularly if you're Fox Business News, you know, you need to really make up a lot of stuff. But are they really complaining that the Muppets movement has chosen for their evil guy uh, to be a businessman? I mean, by definition... Aren't all evil villains businessmen? Right? I mean, it's like, what is the evil artist going to do? I'm an artist. I'm an evil teacher. And so what I, my plan is to take over all the schools and teach everyone. No, they all do it for money. Right? So, I mean, can you imagine, like, if the story was, like, someone was complaining that, um, hey, how come your evil person is, uh, uh, is black? Well, you know, the, how, how Fox would just say, you're political correctness. So the guy's a businessman. What is he supposed to be? An astronaut? What would an evil astronaut do? People are evil villains because they're trying to make a lot of money and control everything. Is that any different from executive at an oil company? Probably not. Joining me now, Dan Gaynor from the Media Research Center. Dan, let's point this out. This oil muppet, evil man that he is, is called Tex Richman. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, it's amazing how far the left will go just to stoop, to you know, manipulate your kids to convince them, give the anti-corporate message. I mean, this is a Muppet movie, for goodness sakes. The only thing green that should be up on that screen should be Kermit the Frog. The only thing green should be... What, what, the, what, the, what, the, what is he talking about? There's an evil guy who's not trying to get money? Is that what he's saying? 
I think he's automatically putting liberals in the left with, you know, environmental reasons like oh i see i see i see okay okay yeah come on protecting the planet come on is that really something that you want the heroes to do well what are they supposed to be doing what are the muppets supposed to be doing that would make these people happy like that why aren't they fighting the chinese (laughs) why isn't why aren't the muppets fighting the chinese why why cannot the muppets go after a terrorist in the middle east right I mean, come on, Tex, Texas, rich man. <laughs> what is stunning to me is that these people can actually go on TV and not just at one point go, <laughs> I know, it's ridiculous, we're doing this, all right. And, and so what, what's actually going on here? I mean, uh, I'll put it out there. Is liberal Hollywood using class warfare to, to, to kind of brain, brainwash our kids? Yeah, absolutely. And they've been doing it for decades. Right. I mean, Hollywood, the left, the media, they hate the oil industry. They hate corporate America. And so you'll see uh, all these movies attacking it, whether it's Cars 2, which was another kid's movie, the the George Clooney movie, Syriana, uh, There Will Be Blood, all these movies attacking the oil industry. He just mentioned three movies. And only one of the other ones, other than the Muppets movie he mentioned, were kids' movies. Right. But no, he's just mentioned three movies that have been released over the past four years. We nap. You never see a movie glorifying making money or buying things. That never happens. There's never any movies that glorify uh, making money or a success or buying things. That never happens. No, we just have three movies that are released each year. Cars, which I guess also sort of glorify a product. Uh, and uh, then there's Syriana. <laughs> And that's all people have been watching. It's just basically Syriana and that uh, cartoon Cars. None of them, you know, reminding people that what oil means for most people, which is fuel to, you know, light a hospital or heat your home or maybe fuel an ambulance to get you to the hospital if you need that. And they don't want to tell that story. This summer, fuel, it heats your home and it lights the lights in your hospital. What's the rest of the story? That's the story. This guy, according to this guy, the only movies that people should be watching are documentaries on oil production. Quick, we're running out of oil. Drill, baby, drill. (laughs) Right, it's the story of Hanukkah. Can you imagine, for just one moment, what if the Maccabees have the opportunity to do their own domestic oil drilling? We wouldn't have needed an eight-day miracle. We could have had an 800-years miracle. Brought to you by Conoco. Is there any o- Occupy Wall Street Muppets? Uh, there, there should be. I mean, this is, this is what they're teaching our kids. This is, you wonder why we've got a bunch of Occupy Wall Street people walking around all around the country. They've been indoctrinated literally for years by this kind of stuff, whether it was you know, Captain Planet or Nickelodeon's Big Green Help or you know, The Day After Tomorrow, the, you know, the Al Gore influence movie. All of that is what they're teaching is that corporations are bad, oil industry is bad. And ultimately, what they're telling our kids is what they told you in the movie The Matrix. Right. That mankind is a virus on poor old Mother Earth. All right, Dan, I, I'm sorry, we ran out of time. I'd love to bring the story up again. But I remember when I was a little kid, uh, we were poor. We were dead broke, in fact. And my parents would see someone wealthy driving by and be like, 
See that guy? He started a business. He worked hard. You can be like that someday. Not pointing the finger at Tex Richman and saying he's a bad guy. I wonder if uh, this guy, when he looked up and his parents said, see that guy? He's rich. He started a business. He's the... I hope that guy looked up at his father and said, what the fuck is wrong with you, Dad? Why are you so pathetic? Why are you such a horrible person that you're not like that guy? Thank you for not letting us watch Sesame Street, Dad, so that I'm not an Occupy Wall Street guy. Well, so, okay, no big deal. At least these guys just spent, what, like a three minutes on that? <laughs> you know, it's not like it's going to dominate the news, right? Dan, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks very much, Eric. All right, Carolyn Heldman is back along with one of my fantastic co-hosts on The Five, Andrea Tanteros. By the way, Andrea, the only good number on Sesame Street is clearly five. Yes. What's going on here? Well, it is. It's brainwashing in the most obvious form, right? I just wish liberals could leave little Wait a second! Alone. You mean there's more analysis that is necessary for this Muppet movie? This is how pathetic these people are. You know what this is? And this goes on and on and on, right? Where, where they're, they're brainwashed. It goes on for like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Fox News, apparently, they just, they could not bring themselves to initiate the war on Christmas this year. And so, uh, the Muppets, last refuge of a network too tired to bring up the war on Christmas. Hide your kids! Those commie Muppets are coming. It's Colin from Cleveland. I was just listening to your last podcast about elections, and I was listening to the clip of the uh, Young Turks talking about Gingrich's uh, speech about Israel. And I have to tell you, I find it absolutely amazing that conservatives like Gingrich will go on and on with uh, invented form of history, calling the Palestinians an invented people, and that they don't have a right in this uh, a right to a place in this world or at the world table. As an American, how can any of us bastardize anyone for being an invented people? We are an invented country. We are an invented people brought here to this country from almost every other country. We're one of the youngest countries in the world. I find it very hypocritical for a pseudo-intellectual like himself to sit there and spout such rhetoric when he's basically guilty of what he's saying uh, Palestine is guilty of perpetrating so anyway I just <laughs> hearing that just really really got me going and just can't believe how many mindless drones in this country just buy into his line of BS and just think that he is so smart and so intelligent when we need to look in the mirror before we start judging other people anyway Jay <laughs> thanks for the show Hey, Jay, Ron from outside of Philly, just calling in. I just got done listening to some uh, voicemails. I, um, I usually skip through them. 
I unfortunately didn't skip through one, and I stomached uh, another voicemail from this uh, oxymoronic Jeff from Florida, the policeman, and and I just wanted to call because I, um, I, I realized in his last message exactly why it's kind of a silly point and why he's so painful to even listen to is, is that he goes off about how nobody should be killed, and the reason why the death penalty is bad is because if somebody's found proven to be innocent afterwards, you can't you know, erase the death penalty, but you could, you know, get him out of jail. And then proceeds to be convinced that Mumi is guilty and uh, and gets so graphic that he could, you know, envision him standing over him and shooting him just like he did David Faulkner. When in reality, the guy knows wasn't there, I don't believe, and uh, doesn't know shit about it. So um, if he did, he'd understand that a lot of the witnesses recanted. He'd understand that there's certainly some reasonable doubt and some things that were not done right in the trial. If it was done today, I could see it being uh, worsely done than O.J., and he got off. And so I just wanted to pinpoint that that's kind of what I think is uh, painful um, when I hear pro- uh, fellow progressives or pseudo-progressives um, making statements like that that just shoot themselves in the foot completely. So if he's having an argument that why the death penalty shouldn't be allowed, and Jay, you were put together a very articulate argument as to why the death penalty shouldn't be allowed, it defeats the purpose when right after it you say, but that guy's definitely guilty, and uh, and, and I'm, I'm sure of it. So anyway, I just wanted to point that out, and uh, thanks a lot for everything you do. Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks to all those who called into the voicemail line. If you would like to leave a comment, question, or activist call to action yourself to be played on the show, the number to dial is 206-202-3410. So today I have a little bit of a story, a little little backstory, another voicemail to play, and and then a question for you guys. I have uh, I've been accused of just kind of having a misunderstanding, and it's not necessarily my fault. I just need some outside perspective, and so I'm going to be asking you guys to give me uh, your perspectives to try to illuminate this issue, and uh, so we'll be getting to that in just a moment. The background story goes back a few months to, uh, you know, as many of you will probably remember, there was a debate about uh, veganism on the show. Trust me, I am not reopening that debate. Don't worry. Uh, but but that debate was actually started by a voicemailer, uh, this guy named Daryl from California, who, who called in and he was talking about why he didn't think that veganism was the right way to go. And uh, and he, he called in more than once on the, on the subject. And on one of his subsequent calls, he made a couple of analogies that I took issue with and ended up responding to. Here's a quick snippet of, of what he sounded like. I would say the vegans on the left are the Taliban of the right. You know, they're equal to. So if you're interested in hearing the rest of that voicemail, it will be linked in the show notes of this episode so you can hear it. it it's from you know several months ago. It was played on the show. But he, he goes on in that voicemail to say that those who advocate for veganism are essentially, as you just heard, the, the left-wing equivalent of the Taliban. Uh, he likened them to the religious right who want to legislatively impose their, you know, their version of morality on, on the rest of the people in the country. He specifically was bringing up women's rights and reproductive rights. And, and then he also uh, brought up slavery and was likening modern-day veganism to slavery. The exact connection he was making wasn't exactly clear, but you know it was, it was brought up in that in that context um, in, in his list of different ways that 
vegans are, you know, misguided and, and how they're, you know, what they're advocating for or the way that they're advocating for it is similar to these atrocities uh, of our past. Well, and, and present in terms of uh, women's rights. So obviously I took issue with, with a lot of what he said. You know, I wasn't personally offended by what he said, but, uh, but I found it offensive. I thought that they were offensive statements as they were uh, inflammatory and wildly misguided. And, uh, and so I did a commentary where I may have even suggested that, that, that I admitted that there were probably some vegans somewhere who would advocate for, uh, for the consumption of meat to be outlawed but that I had never come across them in my life. And, you know, I've, I've heard several vegans talk on the subject and none of them have ever suggested that. And, and most, uh, if not all, if, if the idea even came up, they're like, no, 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 of course we're not in favor of, uh, you know, an outright ban on, on meat. You know, no, none of them have ever said that. And then just a couple of days ago, very much by coincidence, I happened to hear this from this is literally I'll, I'll play a clip for you literally the most extreme vegan I have ever heard talk on the subject and I was just checking out her uh, vegan podcast and I heard this and and it just it stuck in my head and I thought that it fit perfectly in this conversation uh, so th this is from Erin Red she has a new show uh, all about veganism called Red Radio and uh, listen to what she had to say on the subject of uh, you know imposing her veganism will. I don't have the power to turn everybody vegan overnight, and frankly, even if I did have that kind of power, I, I don't know that I would use it only because people wouldn't be doing it for the right reasons. And I feel like that's the only way anybody's going to stick to it is if they're doing it for their own reasons and, and the right reasons, whatever that may mean for them. So those couple of clips, I think, make for uh, interesting bookends to this conversation that, you know, in, in a way that obviously supports my own point of view on this, that, that Daryl was out of line, uh, making comparisons to institutionalized restrictions of rights, white Christian males imposing, uh, you know, restrictions on rights in terms of <laughs> taking away all personal liberty from African Americans and making them slaves, uh, all the way up until modern day of restricting uh, you know, women's rights and what she can do with her own body. And, and I, I just think it's a horrible comparison to try to compare those things with what vegans do in terms of asking people to make a voluntary choice to change their lifestyle. And, uh, you know, so I, I thought it was a really bad comparison that, that he made. And uh, so anyways, that is, that's the background of that story. Daryl has called in again, actually on a, on a separate subject, but he does reference back to these previous calls. So now that you have the background, you uh, will understand what he's talking about when he references backwards. And he, uh, he, he still thinks that I'm a little bit confused and misguided on the subject for a reason that I think that you will probably find as fascinating as I did when I heard it. So have a listen. Oh, Jay, this is uh, Daryl calling from California. I uh, just listened to your episode. I think it was dated 1229. I could be wrong. And uh, a couple people have called. They wanted to to get some names of some uh, some uh, podcasts by, you know, some African-American podcasts. They kind of gave a, a, a that perspective. And I'd like to recommend, uh, it's called Blacking It Up with uh, Elon James White, L. Joy Williams. And um, they uh, give, give it, you know, a pretty decent show with a, a different spin to a different, I can say, slant to it. You listen to it, you'll probably enjoy it. I think the last time I called you, I, I 
spoke about uh, how slavery, uh, you know, how animals were placed in a higher place than people in this country at one time, and you you were offended by it. And I think if you listen to them, you might you might see why you were they, they speak about privilege, white privilege, and a lot of times people don't realize the offense to certain issues because you never really had to look at it from the other eyes. So um, I'd recommend that show. Just give it a, a look. Check it out. It's not some black power show, so don't worry about that. And um, it may open your eyes to a, a different perspective. Thank you, and I'll be listening. So that voicemail came in just a couple of days ago. I, you know, It's not like I've had it for a couple of weeks, and I've just been saving it for Martin Luther King Day. Uh, but it's a nice coincidence anyways. So here's my reaction to it. I have no idea what he's talking about. I have no idea how white privilege plays into uh, this discussion and, and how I don't understand how slavery and advocating for, for veganism are connected and how I think that that's probably an offensive thing for him to say. Like, I don't get it, but I do get that that is one of the symptoms of white privilege. You don't understand how it affects you. You don't really, you don't recognize when it's happening to you because it's, it's impossible to count all of the times you're not discriminated against. You know, it, it's, it's really hard to prove a negative. And, and besides the fact, you know, white privilege is barely scratching the surface of all of the different perspectives I don't have because of, of my position in life. You know, it's, it's not just the white privilege. It's also, you know, I was born straight and male in a middle-class family in America just before the dawn of the information age. Like, I get that I completely won the genealogical lottery. You know, in, in, just in terms of how to make your life easier in white-dominated, male-dominated America, in those terms only, I can't, you know, my cards came up royal flush and I get that. And so I've, I always try to make up for that. I mean, I, I would try to do it anyway, regardless of who I was. I hope that I would think this way that I, I, I generally insist on not being sure of things. And I've, this topic has come up several times recently, even that, uh, that I really strongly advocate for being less sure of oneself. So in terms of this discussion and, and my background and everything, I, I definitely try to make up for those uh, blind spots that I have by really, really trying hard to understand where people are actually coming from, what makes actual logical sense, not just from my perspective, but in a universal sense. So besides, obviously, the fact that I'm going to check out that podcast he recommended, I'm, I'm, I'm asking you guys, anyone in the audience who has a perspective on this, please let me know. And especially the black members of the audience, you have a perspective on this and, and you want to enlighten me on, on Daryl's perspective, I would love to hear it. That is not facetious in any way. I'm, I'm going to be fascinated by whatever I hear that ends up enlightening me to, to where he's coming from. Because I really, you know, as he pointed out, I don't really know where he's coming from, but I would like to. So that's it for today. I look forward to those voicemails coming in. In the meantime, uh, I just want to thank a couple of members before I go. Jennifer S. signed up for a Socialist Monthly membership back on July 10th and has stuck with the show since then. And Tyler B. has signed up for a Leftist Monthly membership back on May 12th and has also stuck with the show. So huge thanks to Jennifer and Tyler and all the members of every different level there is. Uh, you know, anyone who helps support the show uh, by uh, being a member or donating or even just uh, help spreading the word of the show. I couldn't thank you guys enough. 
As I just mentioned, of course, everyone can support the show just by telling everyone you know about it. Spread the word about individual clips you particularly enjoy by uh, going to the show notes and using the share this buttons that will uh, share individual clips through social media or by email. You can stay tuned into the show by joining up with us on Facebook and Twitter. And for details on the show itself, including links to all the sources and music used in this and every episode, all that information is always posted in the show notes on the blog. So coming to you from far outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast, coming to you every third day, thanks entirely to the members and donors to the show, from bestoftheleft.com. Fine, fine, black and white upon a picture that wasn't right Pitch burning on a shining sheet The only maker that you want to meet A dying man in a living room Whose shadow bases the floor Who take you out in the open door This is not my life It's just a fond farewell to a friend